Hello and welcome. I'm Simon. I'm Alexander. And I am Haney. We are Needy in Tech, covering the latest from the IT industry with a specific focus on Microsoft and how to get actual value from technology. This is episode 231, recorded on June 20th, 2023. You will be able to find this and our previous episodes on needypintech.com, iTunes, Spotify, and on most podcasting platforms. And I'm back. You're back and we're dying. Yeah. <laughs> because it's 20, 20, 28, 29 degrees indoors. So yeah. But yeah, welcome back. Uh, thank you. Um, I have my portable AC next to me, but I haven't had to use it today, actually. So um, we're going to have a discussion good. about that that AC uh, unit, because I think that one mm-hmm. is, is pretty cool. Um, yeah, it, machine, it works super good. That is one of the hallmarks of a good AC. <laughs> it actually does. Work. But I'm, I'm curious, we didn't really figure out where were you uh, last time. <laughs> uh, I were in Norway uh, oh. on uh, a, the Citrix User Group Norway at a fantastic hotel, one of my favorite hotels ever, I think, uh, and uh, had a, a great time speaking, uh, being part of a panel discussion and meeting a lot of fantastic Norwegian friends and celebrating the National Day of Sweden in Norway. That was fun. <laughs> I can tell you that they celebrated it more than I think the entire Swedish population did in Sweden. Uh-huh. We, wow. We, it took half a day to figure out what we were celebrating. Not even I knew. But I don't care. And <laughs> like, I think your Swedish citizenship is in danger. But yeah. I'm happy to be Austrian. <laughs> Works <laughs> as well. Huh. Well, that's interesting. Mm-hmm. But yeah, no, it's um, it's very warm. It is season is sort of kind of coming to an end. I mean, it, it's still just in the middle of June, but mm-hmm. it, it definitely feels like people are starting to to see the the other side of the tunnel, so to speak. It's it's time to start to wind down. Uh, fewer news, uh, fewer things happening. Everybody's just trying to do the last couple of miles before vacation. Uh, a funny story um, about vacation. So, um, I um, let's just say that my Dutch manager did not really expect the uh, Swedish vacation system to be as um, <laughs> um, wide and and big as as it is. Uh, so when I put in for five weeks, he almost lost his coffee. Uh, yeah, and. <laughs> It, it turns out what I'm, I'm getting at is we take a lot of things for granted where we live mm-hmm. and working in such an international company, um, assumption is the mother of all fuck ups. You can definitely do something completely oblivious to how others do it. So, I mean, th- this was not an issue, but this is definitely kind of drives home the point that just because something is the way you or have always done it doesn't necessarily mean that everybody else does as well. Have we only spoken about it or have we actually done, no, we have spoken about doing a, a session around cultures and, and what to think of when you're working with certain countries or, or things like that. Because Swedish that vacation, yeah, because Swedish vacation is definitely one of those things. It's like, no, the country actually shuts down for four weeks. No one yeah. does anything. Same in Finland. I mean, one of the the um, 
worst kept secret is if you want to invade Sweden, I highly recommend you to do so at Midsummer's because there is no one manning the fort at all. And no, that, and the one that's is not a joke. No, and the ones that are are completely drunk and dressed up in flowers only. Which really does not mix good with, with um, um, camouflage clothing, by the way. Well, move on and I will think more about that. <laughs> I am always scared when you think. But yes, so we, we're still kind of reeling from Microsoft Build. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the Power BI and, and the, the Synapse community, we, we haven't really uh, gotten back on our feet. And then came the June update. So the Power BI uh, June update. It contains a couple of real doozies. One is the card visual. And it doesn't sound like much, but it gives it a card visual is um well it it's what it sounds like. It's it's a card with a header and some kind of, of uh measure is the word I'm looking for. Mm-hmm. And you can do so much with it because it's it's simple use, it's clear. I love them to death. But they've been pretty basic. Not so with the new card visual. You can customize this to your heart's content. And the stuff I've seen people do with this is just wow. You can really not call Power BI very sexy. I am so sorry, Microsoft, <laughs> but no, you have some ways to go on the layout side of things. Tableau is gorgeous. Uh, Power BI is like your, your Volvo. It, it's going to get you from place, places what? or from, from point, point A to point B, but it's not the coolest car in, in the lot. Uh, but the uh, the card visual is a huge step forward. So I, I really, really, really like it. And, and check it out. It's, it's there. We also got something enormous, and that is the uh, developer mode. So Power BI desktop developer mode. It is a combination of features. But what you get from this is the um, ability to do Power BI desktop uh, reporting dataset metadata in a source control friendly format. You can finally do proper CI CD and, and get integration of DevOps, deployment pipelines, the whole nine yards, everything is inside this. And this is still a preview. Uh, there, there are a couple of ways to break it, but uh, thanks to the Power BI project, the P- PBIP format, uh, you now have the different bits and pieces that usually uh, were found in the zip file, that is the PBIX. Now they're in, in individual plain text files in a very simple, intuitive, and consistent folder structure. So this means that not only can you read all the, the artifacts, you can also write the artifacts. You don't need to sacrifice a goat, which you had to do previously if you wanted to edit your, your uh, contents of the zip file because you never really knew what's going to happen when you put them back. Now you can, and it is just gorgeous. Finally, we have a proper CI/CD solution for, for Power BI. Not a moment too early, I'll, I'll say that. And <laughs> then we have the on-object interaction. So where to go. Power BI has been called the PowerPoint of data. 
And while I have opinions on that, let's leave those aside. The The point is, it should be as easy to work with data and, and in, in Power BI that it is, should be to, to, uh, to do a uh, presentation in, in PowerPoint, meaning that you should have the expected behavior as you have in PowerPoint as well, meaning that you're, you're, you're clicking something in, in your um, presentation and you get on-object editing. You, you can change fonts, you can change colors just by clicking on that specific object. That's not how Power BI has behaved up until fairly recently. You used to have a, a, property, a property pane all the way to the right, uh, meaning that for everything you needed to do, you clicked that on, on something, you went all the way to the right, you went to your property, you changed that, and back to the object, click, and you went from and to and from. People hated it. So they brought out the on-object editing, which gives a behavior closer to PowerPoint. And people took their hate to a whole new level. <laughs> <laughs> I I mean, pe people can be pretty vocal, but they invented new swear words to describe the on-object editing. Holy cow, they did not enjoy it. And I don't think this is the end game. I think this is preparing for something coming down the line. I'm guessing, but I think that that's they, they want to do something more with this. Personally, I think it is the smarter way to put it on the object because that's where it makes most sense but it also has some um, getting used to the update in june gives you back the ability to dock your properties all the way <laughs> to the right okay so now and, you have both the options yes okay and let's see if that placates uh, some people i'll, I'll believe the, that when i see it yeah what, what was the negative feedback around the on object because to me that makes a lot of sense it does and, and in theory I, I absolutely agree the issue is that some things that you could do very very quickly previously requires you to do a lot of clicking and that, that ah. is one issue the mm -hmm. other issue is by necessity when you have an on object editing experience you're going to need to click through levels so you don't have the same overview on object than you do uh, in the property mm -hmm. pane. Mm -hmm. It's two ways to solve the same problem. And mm -hmm. some people prefer the, the pane, some people prefer the on object, but apparently everybody has an opinion. And everyone has some kind of pain. Oh, they always do. <laughs> and I want to add a question for you. And that is Power BI has a pretty big following, right? And we have Power mm -hmm. BI user groups all over the world. Or do we? Because they changed almost all of them overnight from Power BI user group to Fabric user group. And I think that was a horrible idea. Because sure, Fabric is now part of Power BI, but there are so many Power BI users who will never touch the other fabric aspects and the power bi is the tip of the spear in a way that fabric will never be i see why they're doing it i, I see the the marketing uh, idea but i think it is a, a mistake uh, i think we're going to drive people away instead of driving in 
So I have decided on my own together with uh, Linda that we will not change the Swedish Power BI user group. It will stay the Swedish Power BI user group and not Swedish Fabric user group. Do you think, which way is it? Uh, is Power BI part of Fabric or Fabric part of Power BI? And that is a Schrodinger's <laughs> cat discussion. Um, I'd argue that Power BI is a part of Fabric. Uh, but then again, Power BI was there first and Fabric moved in. So yeah, who knows? They, they have to share space in the pantry and, and we all know how that's going to end up. <laughs> oh, I just had a absolutely horrible idea of a joke, which would not have given us any place at all on Spotify. So I will leave that. Good. Uh, for now. Um, and and uh, yeah, leave it there. So um, do you want an answer to that, by the way? I'm well, what's your opinion? Based on how often Microsoft have changed names and what people in the Power BI user group wants to get out of it, I think you are making the right choice. Because that that is a little bit like when Microsoft changed to Ignite, they cram all of these things into one conference. But a lot of people were there just for the MMS part or the SharePoint things or the exchange bits. And I think you can scare people away by losing that focus. So I agree. we are here to talk about Power BI. And if we have sessions on Fabric stuff, we mm -hmm. will have it in the context of Power BI. I don't think that is weird at all. No. And we it's have okay. gathered here today to talk about Microsoft Fabric. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. True. Would you agree, Henny? Yeah, I I completely agree as well. Um especially since it is still kind of the early stages of everything. It feels a little maybe rushed to go ahead and jump to a new name before figuring out like which way does the user group actually want to go. Wait a minute. Are 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 you saying that Microsoft rushes things sometimes? No. <laughs> and, and, and I do think like we had the same challenge when they changed from first Intune to Microsoft Endpoint Manager and then back. Because like then they changed the name of a product. Now they've just created another Microsoft Intelligent Data Platform thingy even though Fabric is a completely different thing. I understand that. I've listened to a, a great podcast that explained everything about Fabric. Um, so uh, I, I do think it's... We, we don't see too many entra user groups or purview <laughs> user groups as an example. Oh, yes. So, yeah. Uh, we are already running over time, so I will go ahead with other things. But I, I think you're doing a good thing, Alexander. Thank you. Good, good hill to stand on. Okay. It's like Gotland. Which is an island, not a hill. But okay, move on. If you look at it from the bottom of the sea, it's a hill. You're doing it wrong. <laughs> Ask the fish. Um... Architecture, we have talked about that a number of times. And uh, I do think that we we are in, in kind of agreement for once on what we, we think about it and how to document it and so on. Microsoft have 
just released a high-level architecture drawing of Windows 365. And um, I think that that is something... I'm, I'm working on a high-level design or high-level architecture for a customer now. And I think high-level architecture can mean 200 different things depending on who you ask. And I think that if you are creating an architecture diagram, it should tell you something ideally something you didn't know before, otherwise it was obvious how it worked. And and to me, the diagram they have released now shows everything we already knew, but not the things we want to know, which is basically they have a box saying uh, Microsoft-hosted network. Yeah. I want to know what's in <laughs> that box. <laughs> it's like, I don't want a black box in the middle of an architectural drawing. And I think that's reasonable because that's always been one of my things that I trust Microsoft, but I have customers that think about that. And, and like, if you have a network cable connected to someone else's data center and they don't tell you what's on the other side of that, I would be concerned. So it's there. If you want to know more about the high-level design of Windows 365, take a look at it, but do not expect to learn anything new. Um, and uh, I have opinions on that. You will find the link in the show notes. I also want to... Uh, we, we are talking about news, and uh, since I move a little bit slower than the most of uh, the people and animals and uh, planets around me, I want to go back to like Marsh and talk about a news item that is now starting to have an impact. As you might know, there are three different SKUs, so licensing levels, when it comes to Defender for Endpoint. Defender for Endpoint is the most advanced threat protection product that Microsoft has for endpoints. Uh, and you have Business Premium, which is aimed towards organizations that are 300 or less. You have the P1 and the P2, which are the enterprise SKUs. But uh, it's, it's still possible to mix these three inside of one tenant. So if you're a company of, say, 500 people, you buy the uh, business premium licensing, and that's much cheaper than the equivalent eSKU, which would be like the E3 plus E5 security, or something like that. So that's what a lot of organizations have done, and that's been working great. They have been able to mix and they have actually benefited from it because the tenant has been on the highest SKU level. So if you have 300 business premium and then you add a few E5s, you get E5 for everything. And yeah, you can think whatever you want about that. But to me, it enabled organizations that would have looked into other options to still go for Defender Friend Point. Now, in March, they changed this. So they now allow for mixed licensing. Uh, and it really was about mixing P1s and P2s in the same tenant, because that wasn't possible before. Now it is. But what they also introduced is that they now will downgrade a tenant that have business premium and, let's say, P2, so the highest SKU. Then they will downgrade the entire tenant to business premium. One of the things that you will miss out in that case is threat hunting. Which is very nice to have if you are in the middle of a cyber attack. 
and you can't upgrade on your own because it's very hard to get rid of the business premium licenses. I think that it's a little bit cheap of Microsoft to do it in this way, and I don't see any technical reason why they couldn't mix the three versions of licenses and that there must be a very, very small number of organizations that actually have decided to mix them. But if you are one of those organizations that are mixing your licenses, be aware that you will be downgraded or already are downgraded to business premium. And that is something that you need to consider and plan for if you need to quickly upgrade to P2. Yeah, we'll, we'll continue with another short and then we'll do the, the big one with Windows 11. Apple Vision Pro. Have you any desire to buy one? No. No. Haney is probably muted. We just no. very finish. No, no. No. App, Apple did you Vision not Pro. see me shaking my head? I, I did, but I also saw you moving your lips uh, and it might have been just a silent finish scream of no. Yes. Um, but uh, Apple Vision Pro, for the ones that doesn't know, is the augmented reality headset that Apple just released and claim to be very, very much first with. And I, I know that we'll get a lot of feedback on this, but so far, yeah, it's, it's new hardware, but it doesn't really do anything that the HoloLens hasn't done for six, seven, eight years. And um, I don't know about you, but I prefer the look and feel of the HoloLens over the Vision Pro. And also the main difference, Vision Pro, as I see it, is a consumer product, a ridiculously expensive consumer product, whereas the HoloLens is an enterprise product at a similar price. So I, I can't wait to try it and compare it. I still haven't tried the HoloLens 2, but I loved Generation 1 and the ones that I've met that have tried both really like Generation 2 as well. But uh, I will be most intrigued to see how Apple will spin this and if they will be more successful than Microsoft. And speaking about successful, Windows 11. Which version? <laughs> 23H2. So, second half of 2023. Some feel that that is logical. I'm still not convinced, but uh, I'm old, grumpy, and loved Windows 8. So what do I know? <laughs> so uh, Windows 11, and this is also going back to build, uh, a huge amount of new features uh, will be announced in that. We will be focusing on the actual user features and not the IT Pro ones, which we'll get back to in another episode. But things that we will get is that we finally will get Cortana. Oh, sorry. Uh, Copilot in Windows. So uh, Copilot will replace Cortana and be your AI assistant. We will get RGB lighting controls. So that will be interesting to see how that compares to Elgato that I use. Uh, and, and it feels a little like, did they really have to add that in Windows? But I do hope that what you will get out of that is some intelligence so let's say depending on what you're using it for or time of day or whatever the AI decides is best for you, uh, it will actually change to, to something that's useful. And we get, and this is something I like, inbox support for archive formats. 
So you will be able to sip and unsip, 7-sip, RAR, whatever it might be without installing third-party applications, which I really like and are looking forward to. Plus a lot of more uh, interesting things like isolations, uh, I think we'll get widgets again. So we are now every other version. We <laughs> we have the widgets. Uh, so I, I'm looking forward to it. I'm really looking forward to what it will bring for the IT pros. But stay tuned for what will be released later this year for Windows 11. And if you want to try it now, sign up for the Windows Insider program. Yeah, the widgets alone make it... Good. So, yeah, no. God, nobody cares about the <laughs> damn widgets. Oh, I have stories. I have stories. <laughs> I, I think some people will care about it. Yes. Mm. We want All Clippy. Right. We want Clippy. Oh, yeah. On <laughs> to other news. Thank you. Sorry, I did not manage to come up with anything punchy anymore in this horrible <laughs> air in my room. But anyways, um, so on the Azure side of things, uh, there is still not like huge updates that have come out recently after after build. There's a lot of little things, but nothing massive, at least, that I was paying attention to. So the one thing I want to bring up is some updates in Azure load testing, because it is still a relatively new service in Azure. So it is one of those things that is getting updates quite frequently. So as one part is, of course, that when you run load testing, you uh, put a load on your site to see how it works. One aspect of Azure load testing has been the ability to then see the Azure components that you run your workload on. So the actual resources and see the, you could say, server level monitoring for your resources at the time of your uh, load test as well. So you can then kind of map the uh, queries that come onto your website and then what kind of effect they have on the server side as well, on the services that you run on Azure. So that can be really a nice way to map it. So now you're able to do that for Azure Container Apps as well, Azure Cognitive Services, and Database for MySQL Flexible Server, and so forth. Uh, You can find the full list from the show notes of all the services that are supported. It's starting to be quite a massive list now, so uh, you have a lot of options on what you can do. Even Synapse Analytics is there, and no fabric, but you know, (laughs) it's not necessarily an Azure service in a way anymore. Now it's a SaaS service, so I'm not sure that we'll even end up there. Then on the other hand, what you can now do is put in an auto-stop configuration that allows you to kind of halt your test if it starts running into multitude of errors. So this could happen, for example, if you misconfigure something and your load test is just pinging the wrong URL or something kind of silly <laughs> like that, but it happens when we do things uh, things like this. So in this way, you have like an automatic way to just stop uh, your test after a certain amount of errors so that you don't continue to incur charges and things like that, despite it just being a configuration error. Nothing massive, but still. The one thing we have to th- talk about, of course, is the outages around Azure and Microsoft services, I guess. So um, it felt like within a week there was a lot of things that happened. Um, there was first kind of uh, some days that there was issues with the uh, 
Microsoft 365 service portals and then the Azure portal. And then about a week later, we had networking issues in West Europe particularly. And what we've heard back from the errors regarding the different portals, we have heard that it had to do with a DDoS attack that was being put against Azure services. And yeah, it it is a it was a little bit of a situation that everybody was like, what is happening here? What are your thoughts about this? I think it's pretty interesting that you can bring down the entire Azure portal. Uh, it wasn't like it was down in Western Europe or Northern Europe. Now it was down everywhere. And while all the the resources were fine, everything was working just great, you just could not get into the portal. Uh, that's that's a bit concerning, I'd say. Yeah, but like this is actually something that since I now work for a telco, I have learned a ton about DDoS. <laughs> over the last years. Uh, and it, it's quite fascinating because this was also layer seven DDoS attack. So it's, mm. a, it's a very complex kind of attack uh, where it actually does something. So horrible way of explaining it, but a regular DDoS attack is basically someone banging your door and just waiting for you to open. Here they actually ring the bell one time and you open the door and they start to speak to you so you can't get out of there. The problem is that this looks very similar to a regular user doing something. So then any company that gets hit by a DDoS need to think of how can I actually make this go away without negatively affecting my regular users. And that is somewhat complicated. Because if you you do this, um, just like you can drop all the traffic, but then no one will get in. And then the attacker have achieved their goal, regardless. Or you can start to block like IP addresses. But in this case, as Microsoft explained it, it's super complicated because it's private servers. It's rented cloud infrastructure. They actually are paying for things within the uh, like IBM data centers as the same or apparently the same hacker group did when they hit Sweden with DDoS attacks. They have open proxies, they have tools, so they have botnets, they have everything. And it's super complicated to handle. So it's not really a surprise that it were able to take it down. Then the question is how quickly can you remediate and take care of it? Because you have had huge DDoS attacks against Azure previously and they managed just fine but that is a different kind of DDoS attack. So I think it's fascinating. And it's also important to remember that this is denial of service. It's not a hack as I see it. It's a way to disturb the service. Um, and the question is why? And why Asher? What did they try to achieve? Because this group have previously mainly actually hit the Nordics and other European countries, claimed to be anonymous Sudan, but among others, my former uh, employer, have relatively solid evidence that it's backed by the Russian government. So why would they hit Microsoft in this way? Um, so either Microsoft had done something that they aren't talking about to support Ukraine, or they've just tried to do something, 
or which is relatively common when it comes to DDoS, they are trying to hide something else. There's also another aspect, and that is Mm -hmm. you could do this to see, you you could probe for the response. Um, This is essentially poking poking the bear and seeing what Mm -hmm. the bear does in return. That might be one of the reasons why they did it, and so they're going to be using that information for something Mm -hmm. Else, but yeah. th- this is definitely. I mean, this this is intelligence work. This is the cat yeah, yeah. and mouse game that is intelligence. Yeah, and and just like again, rented servers. There is a huge amount of money going into this. Someone meant business. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So we, um, and it, it. So can we be relatively certain that it wasn't a load testing going wrong? It does seem that way. Yeah. <laughs> it does seem that way. Yeah. But speaking of load testing, the other issue that essentially took down Western Europe, that was an internal error um, mm-hmm. from what I've been told, um, sort of kind of made by Microsoft themselves. Uh, yeah. They messed something up in the, uh, the routing. Yeah. Um, it, and it, it pretty it, much that, says that they yeah. put in a new network the topology description with a network automation system and oops yeah and everybody does oops it it sucks but it is what it is what i don't really like is the time they spent to remediate that we are looking at 6 or 7 hours before the thing came back in in full and that is a lot of time for your slas to just go out the window very true and yet another reason why I don't do networking anymore. So, we are heading into summer, and we are already over time. But yeah, we are over time for summer. I yeah, I, that yeah, I, I, agree I, I with. buy that. I, I actually heard that southern part of Sweden have been given, doing air quotes here, thirty new summer days each year since the nineteen seventies. I don't think that is a gift; it's a punishment. They've taken away my snow for thirty days. Yeah, it's it's oh, your <laughs> yeah it's 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 your generation, Alex. It's not me and Haney. Smooth. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, this will be the last regular episode, I think, before we we all take Ooh. a summer break, a Swedish Finnish kind of summer break. So we'll be probably be back in December or something like that. <laughs> Hopefully a little earlier, maybe. Yes, slightly yeah. earlier. August. August, yeah. Uh, any any plans for, for summer? So my wife just today on the 20th uh, left on the uh, huge Japanese adventure. Uh, she's going to spend seven weeks, uh, between seven and eight weeks in, in Japan. So I'm uh, left uh, home to uh, tend to the cats and water the plants. Uh, and she she wrote a very detailed uh, work order for the plants. I'll say that uh, you've, you've both been here, so you know the amount of plants mm-hmm. that we have. Uh, but yeah, so that that means I, I won't be going anywhere. I'll, I'll spend some time flying here and there just uh, for a day. But for the most part, I'm going to be staying home and hopefully spending a lot of time on my balcony, taking mm. it easy. For me, I think it's just going to be a. Finish summer, maybe going around a bit, summer cabin, 
something, something. Yeah, I haven't thought about it too much yet. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing major plans. How about you, Simon? I don't do relaxing. <laughs> what? Oh, we know. Yeah, that, that's not my thing at all. Uh, I will all be right. running, kayaking, swim running. That is swimming. relaxing. Yeah, it depends on about? how you see, see relaxing. <laughs> no, but I have very few plans uh, as well. I will be working on, on some things. For um, I have a couple of conferences that I need to prepare for, but it will be great to just have time to focus on those sessions and upcoming conferences. Spending time with the family. Uh, we now have our new conservatory ready for us. Um, so that will be used as much as we can and hopefully we are allowed to do some barbecues as well uh, depending on how much rain we get so uh, take it easy a lot of activities uh, and uh, some some geekiness as well always geekiness yeah always for that yep. yep and on that i think it's uh, time to end Thank you for this semester and or season or whatever you want to call it. Whatever you want to call it. Uh, it's It's been great as always. Uh, and uh, it's been great to have all of you listeners tuning in week after week. We, we're still trying to figure out what it is that you do enjoy. So please let us know so we can do more of that. Uh, I will be monitoring my or our mailbox and ensuring that the DNS works. <laughs> I don't know why. I don't know why I've been assigned a DNS work on that. But uh, and with that, time to end. Have a great summer, and we will be back sometime in August. See you then. Bye bye. Bye bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of Native in Tech. Native in Tech is a bi-weekly technology podcast hosted by Alexander Arvidsson, Simon Binder, and Heini Hilmarinen. If you have any feedback, questions or would like to be part of an episode, please reach out to us on social media or via email at podcast at